Hey everyone, this is Fully Charged, the Benjamin Franklin High School podcast. There's actually been some research done on the generation that grew up with Harry Potter Hmm. that demonstrates that uh, that generation is better at picking out bias and specifically propaganda and its uses in the social media. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Charged. I'm your host, Miss Wright, and today I'm joined by the illustrious Mrs. Guinan. Hello! Yay, welcome! <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on Fully Charged, um, and I just wanted to introduce you a little bit. So you teach 12th grade modern literature and AP dual enrollment uh modern literature but then you used to teach here ninth grade literature and you also do yearbook (laughs) and you also do so many other things at this school so you're a busy bee very very busy (laughs) (laughs) so you will probably notice that there is noise in the background and that's because today we are recording in the teacher's lounge versus a classroom so we apologize for that noise well, um, I wanted to just like jump right in and ask you, what made you fall in love with literature? So from a very young age, my parents emphasized the importance of reading. Um, they read to us every night before bed. And uh, actually the first book that I actually remember reading with my dad, uh, one of my earliest memories ever is reading The Hobbit with him before bed. And I think that that book really ignited my passion, not just for reading, but specifically reading science fiction and Mm. fantasy novels. Um, And I basically haven't stopped reading ever since. (laughs) I just every, that's my number one hobby is Mm. reading, so. What do you like specifically about fantasy and science fiction? Um, The first thing I'd say is I think that it's very creative. It's a... People are geniuses and they're able to create these fantastic worlds that have different rules and different um, creatures and different um, situations that are just really unique and I really enjoy that creative process. Um, But I also really like the way in which science fiction and fantasy often relates back to the primary world. It's able to talk about things that perhaps are difficult to talk about in the primary world Hmm. Um, and so we're able to talk about them and able to think about them in these fantasy worlds where it it, it becomes uh, an easier topic of conversation Um, so it opens up those doors for conversation and for exploration into uh, those things and so I, I often find that when I read fantasy I learn more about my primary world and my role in it and um all of that so yeah that's interesting I remember when I was in college one of my English professors said that sometimes we need to experience difficult things secondhand through literature to be able to know how to handle them ourselves in the real world and I thought that was kind of interesting go gentle into that good night rage rage against the dying like you don't really know how to grieve something unless you've been taught how to grieve it and you don't want to always have to go through hard things yourself to learn how to grieve but you can read a book that takes you through a grieving process and I that really opened my mind to like the power of literature so what do you think that science fiction and fantasy 
helps you to see or deal with in an easier way? Well, I think going back to literature in general, um, obviously you can experience life the difficult way and do everything, experience everything on your own without literature. Mm -hmm. um, but that is one of the benefits of reading literature is you get to learn about other people in other places and what they've gone through and, you know, learn from their mistakes essentially or their mm -hmm. situations. Um, I think fantasy and science fiction, um, it does it in a more unique way than a traditional uh, real-world fictional book would. Mm -hmm. um, it's able to talk about it through metaphor or through uh, magical beasts or like it, it's able to talk about the issue from a more oblique angle so that, mm -hmm. you know, sure you could read a book about grieving it, that takes place in our primary world or you could read a book where they talk about like the complexity of emotions and how those have to do with a magic system or something along those lines and it'll deal with the same issue but it does it in an even more um, alternate way mm -hmm. which for some people they really don't like that right they much prefer to read the, the you know the real world grieving but mm -hmm. for some people they need that second step removal from the real world before they can feel comfortable enough to start thinking about those feelings and, uh, and to learn to experience the human. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because there are so many amazing things about science fiction and fantasy, and I certainly haven't read nearly as much science fiction or fantasy as you have, but it is just so amazing where yeah, you are drawn into this world where you can't even help yourself that you're being drawn in. Now, probably the most fantasy type thing that I've ever read is Harry Potter, <laughs> which <laughs> maybe is kind of basic. Yeah, like there's that. actually been some research done on the generation that grew up with Harry Potter hmm. that demonstrates that uh, that generation is better at picking out um, bias and specifically propaganda and its uses in the social medias um and, wow, and really? i don't know if it's it's a direct one-to-one -one, like this is because of this yeah, but there totally. has been a lot of like correlation correlation between this generation that grew up reading these books like harry potter like the hunger games that or divergent that all have these similar themes mm -hmm. um and a generation that is starting to question the social media and just believing things just because, you know, it says so. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Questioning the the official government policy on things um, and trying to actually dig down into the truth. Wow. So. Now, I know that there's a lot of pushback against some of these books and series and things. Like, even for me, I had to specifically ask my parents when I was in high school to read... Harry Potter, and I know that they're, I'm not thinking so much about the witchcraft side of things, that, but my parents were concerned about dark themes and it being too heavy for young readers. Um, what would you say to people who have an objection like that? So that's actually what my uh, master's thesis primarily focused on, uh, specifically um, the lands of the dead in sci in children's science fiction and fantasy novels. Uh, why does it appear so often in our modern day children's lit? Um, 
and that's just one example of darker literature um, that you will find. Uh, but what I think it primarily does is it provides, as we were talking about earlier, it provides a very safe space for readers to learn about life and to learn about situations. And unfortunately, we live in a world that is very dark and there are evil people out there and there is you know, destruction and terror, and they're going to come up against bad guys, and a lot of these fantasy and sci-fi books do that contain these darker moments is they provide the readers with a safe space to explore their fears and explore how they feel about these darker things. What happens when they come up against a bad guy? What, what happens when they come up against, you know, somebody who is not fair and who, you know, doesn't treat them the way that they should be treated or you know what happens when they you know something bad happens like they lose a loved one or mm -hmm. they lose a job or you know something that's not good mm -hmm. and it helps them work through first their emotions work through their fears and kind of come to a place of understanding acceptance they'll have more of a handle on how they should actually react in the situation rather than just freezing or being so terrified mm -hmm. that they can't they don't really react. Um, yeah. And so these books give them a chance to work through whatever that fear happens to be. It's kind of interesting that literature used to be for like all ages, right? It was There was no children's literature, it's just for everybody. But I mean, these types of ideas, these stories, it's not like they're brand new. I know that in the Odyssey, Odysseus goes down into the depths and he visits his father mm -hmm. and Aeneas does the same thing in the Aeneid and then of course Dante's Inferno he's literally <laughs> in hell and then going up into purgatory in heaven and so three of the great works of western literature feature some kind of interaction with the dead and it's almost a normal type of thing no one is like, wow, that's crazy. It's just like, yeah, I, was, I went to the dead and I talked to these people. <laughs> um, and so what shifted? Like, why did we go from a time of talking about these things a lot more openly to now feeling like we need to protect our kids from ever seeing that? So primarily I would say it was the Victorian era and specifically the revolution of the printing press. <laughs> mm. um, so pre-Victorian era, um, as you were saying, like we all had the same literature. Um, adults and children would sit and listen, possibly read if they were educated enough, but normally it was sit and listen to the same stories that were told year after year. Um, by, you know, they were passed down orally from generation to generation. So you had folk tales, you had, you know, the great epics that were sung out loud. Um, and so it was a literature for everyone. And then you get to the Victorian era. And during the Victorian era, um, you have this revolution in thought um, where people started to realize, oh, children aren't just tiny adults. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they actually are different. They have a different mentality they have a different um you know their brains aren't fully developed yet and um during that same time period uh the romantics kind of came in the literary movement mm -hmm. and they created what what they kind of termed the uh innocent child which is this belief that children are innocent and that they should be protected from 
things that are not innocent, right? Uh, the longer we can keep them protected, the longer they'll stay innocent um, until they reach adulthood and then they're no longer innocent was kind of the thought process mm -hmm. there. And so um, that combined with the invention of the printing press and thus the novel, um, which now we're not just hearing stories, we're actually writing them down. And so people were reading stories instead of listening to them, which is not a group activity, but normally an individual activity. When you read something, you're doing it normally on your own. Mm -hmm. And so what we had is during, from all of that, from the Romantics, from the Victorians, um, we ended up getting this division of, oh, children should have their own literature. And what ended up happening was the Victorians specifically were like, again, protect the innocent child, let's tell them this fairy tale, but let's get rid of all the gruesome bits. Let's get rid of the scary parts. Let's get rid of all these things that we don't think fit with the innocent child. Mm -hmm. um, and that just snowballed from there until we have an entire children's literature that is, for lack of a better term, Disneyfied, mm -hmm. where we've got, you know, it, it's clean, it's wholesome, it's, it doesn't reflect the literature that came before, mm -hmm. which had those darker and scarier moments. You know, like, we'd have the fairy tales where there's the knight that has to fight the dragon, right? Which is scary. But then the knight would overcome that dragon. And our modern-day literature, um, or heading from the Victorians into modern day, we lost that. Not only did we not have the dragon, but we also didn't have the knight defeating the dragon. Yeah. Which, hmm. who wants to read a kid's book where there's just a knight not doing anything, <laughs> right. right? And so it's that process of not just about a night, but the night going and fighting something that is scary and, and facing it head on, not avoiding it, but then overcoming it. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of the quote, I forget who said it, but it's I want to say, Chesterton. oh perfect, you're thinking of it, G.K. <laughs> Chesterton, who said like, if our children must like fight monsters, at least let them have heard of heroes that overcame them. And it's, mm -hmm. that's what modern modern within the last 30 years has really been happening in a lot of children's literature especially the popular children's lit like harry potter or percy jackson or um the dark materials right is you have these children going up against dark things facing their fears and ultimately overcoming them which teaches children not just that it's okay to be afraid of these things mm -hmm. but also how to have an appropriate level of fear and how to ultimately overcome them which I think is a much healthier uh, process than just saying, pretend that none of these things ever exist, and then we send our children out into the real world and they're confronted by darkness and evil, which they, have, they don't know what to do. And so a book provides that opportunity for them to ask those questions and to explore when totally. they don't want to speak up. It reminds children, you're not alone you're not the only one feeling these fears. Actually, it's normal what you're feeling. Here's how you can handle it. Here's how you can deal with it and overcome. Not, I'm not saying that you should just jump right into these, you know. <laughs> right. There are certain books that, yes, are probably too dark or too, but that doesn't mean that we should be protecting them in total. Mm -hmm. Find those books that exist for the child's age group that deal with these topics because it helps them and yeah, reading with them, reading, like, reading about lots, reading about, mm -hmm. you know, those types of things can be done age appropriate. A lot of modern children's literature authors are recognizing this and doing this. Yeah. Dang, well, this has brought <laughs> me a new appreciation for a genre that I don't often find myself in, but 
I definitely remembered loving, especially as a teenager, and which I will probably come to love again. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being here and of for course. sharing all of your thoughts. Uh, listeners, we'll catch you <laughs> next time. Thank you for listening to Fully Charged. You can find more of these podcasts on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Fully Charged is produced by Angelo Fernando. Theme music is from Free Music Archive. Additional support for this podcast comes from the Boosters and Stugo at Benjamin Franklin High School.